Hello, I'm Sam and welcome to the Learn and Experience podcast, exploring and making sense of the world we live in through adventure, life skills and language. Today I'm joined by our two regular team members from Learn and Experience, the people bringing the world's youth together since 2009. We've got language guru Mike. Hello. And our very own Miss Positive, Julie. Hi there. So in this episode, we'll be visiting Peru, Belgium, Italy, Australia, Portugal, and we'll even be going to the moon in Around the World in Six Stories. In the big discussion this week, we talked about whether there should be a universal basic income. We'll be looking at Australia in fact or fiction. This week in the youth spotlight, we go to Norfolk, where two teens have found rare coins that are over 1,000 years old with their metal detectors. And in Life Skills this week, I was joined by none other than our language expert, Mike, who taught me some tips and tricks when learning a new language. This week on The Language Corner, we look at the language of Silbo Gombero, which is the only form of whistling language that exists in the world today. Ooh, I'm excited about that one. Mm, that'll be very fun. Right, this is the Learn and Experience podcast. Okay, Julie, where are we visiting today? Okay, so we are off to Australia, where a new coral reef that's taller than New York's Empire State Building has been discovered in remote waters off Cape York in Queensland. So like an underwater mountain, the unnamed reef is about 1.5 kilometres long and rises to more than 500 metres tall. It's pinnacle sitting about 40 metres below the surface of the ocean. So an international team led by Queensland researchers made the unexpected discovery last week about 80 kilometres east of Cape Grenville. Tom Bridge, a James Cook University Senior Research Fellow and Senior Curator of Corals at the Queensland Museum, was involved in a five-hour exploration of the reef on Monday using a remotely operated robot. He said that we, we know more about the surface of the moon than we know about what lies in the depths beyond our coastlines. It's amazing, isn't it? How something that big can be undiscovered for so many years. I want a shot of that robot. <laughs> I wonder how, yeah, I just wonder how all that works. I maybe need to find out a little bit more about a robot that, work, that works underwater. That's so cool. Do you know what, uh, what kind of music is the, the Great Barrier Reef famous for? I do not. Is this, is this a joke? Sounds like it. That's, that's a good setup. What is the Cor music that the Great Barrier Reef is famous for, Sam? Coral. <laughs> <laughs> There's also a band called Coral, which I thought you were going to go for. Oh, nice. Nice. It's good, it's good. We're going off to Belgium next, where the first two-storey model home has been built with a 3D printer. Now, they've built... Uh, homes that haven't been more than one, uh, just one single story homes before. This is the first time they built a, a house with two stories. It's amazing because it's 60% cheaper than a normal house. And it also is strong enough to resist hurricanes and other natural disasters, they reckon. So we could be seeing a lot more of these 3D printed houses uh, in the future. It was built in less than three weeks as well, so really quick to, to put up. And uh, they have all of the modern 
uh, things like underfloor heatings and solar panels and lots of cool stuff that's, um, that makes it, makes it very attractive and environmentally friendly as well. A super cool story about how technology is changing all the time and this could be really kind of something that's not unusual in the next few years. We could see 3D printed homes. Imagine that. I can't quite get my head around yeah. the technology involved in that. It's incredible, isn't it? Even just the little models that you see, the 3D model, printed models, and you think, well, that's amazing. But then they're doing it on this scale. Like, how, how is that possible? Right, I'm off to the moon next, out of this world. Uh, water has been discovered on the sunlit surface of the moon, NASA announced on Monday. It's an important revelation that indicates water may be distributed across the lunar surface and not just limited to its cold shadowed places such as the poles. So this is really good news for astronauts as future lunar bases who could, uh, they could tap into these resources for drinking and rocket fuel production. So the um, director of astrophysics, Paul Hertz said, he, uh, we had an indication that H2O the familiar water we know might be present on the sunlit side of the moon. Now we know it's there, this discovery challenges our understanding of the lunar surface and raises intriguing questions about resources relevant for deep space exploration. What do you, uh, <laughs> what do, you do if you see a spaceman? Moonwalk. Park in it, man. That's good. There has to be a moonwalk ad in there somewhere. <laughs> moonwalk was good. Oh dear. Okay, sorry, Julie. <laughs> That's not, it's all right. It's all right. So we are off to Portugal now, where a graffiti artist is taking Instagram by storm with his ultra-realistic murals that transform the mundane into the magnificent. So the 44-year-old self-taught artist known as Odith creates everything from living creatures to vehicles. There's seemingly um, no subject that Odith can't turn into a head-turning piece of street art. After beginning using his spray can in the 1980s, Odith now works on commissions around the world with one of his 3D frogs recreated recently at Heathrow Airport. I've seen them. They're quite, they're, they're really cool, but they're quite scary. There's one in particular where he's actually, he's painted it and then he stood um, next to it. Somebody's taken a photo and it's like this big, like saber tooth, like animal, but it looks so real. And um, we'll, we'll no doubt post some of the, um, some of the images, some of his art um, on our social media channels, but they're so powerful and some of them quite scary, but some of them really are, um, takes a minute to understand kind of what's going on. Uh, so they're really, they're really great. Such a, a creative talent. We're off to Italy next, where Pope Francis, the current head of the Catholic Church, has made headlines this week for two very progressive acts or two progressive statements that highlight just what a progressive Pope he is. Pope Francis has come out in open support of civil unions between same-sex couples, uh, which traditionally has been something that the Catholic Church has been very staunchly or very very firmly against. So this is really progress because it affects a lot of people who have held very traditional views on this subject. So it's really, really great to see this because it matters. It has a big impact on, on uh, very Catholic countries like Poland or Spain or, you know, uh, or vast parts of the world. And the other thing he's uh, openly supported is the making of the first black archbishop 
uh, first Archbishop of Color, a man called Wilton Gregory in America, who has become a cardinal. And cardinal is one of the highest positions in the Catholic Church. So well done, Pope Francis, I say. If you want to yeah. uh, know a little bit more about Pope Francis, you should see the film, Two Popes. It's, uh, it's a really fantastic film and uh, really highlights the kind of man he is. I'm going to South America, to Peru. So Peru's Ministry of Culture says archaeologists have recently discovered a massive cat drawn into the hillside over 2,000 years ago. The site is near other Nazca lines, but was faded by time, which made it hard to spot. So Nazca lines are a collection of huge lines and drawings made in the Nazca desert in Peru over 2,000 years ago. These massive figures are often called geoglyphs. So between two and a half thousand years ago and 1500 years ago, people in the area created hundreds of the lines. Most are simple lines or basic shapes, but about 70 of the geoglyphs are shaped like animals or people. Almost all are drawn with, unknown, with one unbroken line. The lines for the drawings were made by removing the top layer of reddish rocks from the desert floor leaving a brighter coloured area underneath. So this is the first cats they found in Peru, which is, uh, it actually looks pretty amazing. We'll put it up on our social media. They're pretty cool in that. I've been, I was lucky enough to go when I was a teenager uh, in South America. Uh, when I was a teenager going around South America, did I have to mention that I went around South America as a teenager? I went around South America as a teenager. I haven't heard that one before, Mike. And, uh, <laughs> was that when you were going down Bolivia to the uh, Amazon or? Same trip, same trip. Same trip. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, we went up in a little plane uh, and that's the only way you can see these lines because you can only see them from the air. That was The World in Six Stories. So on the big discussion this week, we talked about whether there should be a universal basic income. So um, universal basic income or UBI, uh, as it's sometimes called, called, is a government program in which every adult citizen receives a set amount of money on a regular basis. The goals of a basic income are to alleviate poverty and replace some other needs-based social programs. So I guess, um, we can sort of chat about some of the the, the, the pros and cons of um, UBI. Mike, have you got any any thoughts on this? I think UBI is a welcome thing. I think that if governments want to eradicate poverty and they want to do so in an affordable way, UBI offers a solution because instead of the welfare system that we currently have, where governments have to spend a lot to give people a certain amount of money every month to, to survive, to do their basic, uh, to cover their basic needs like shelter and food. UBI acts as, as a safety net for the most vulnerable people in our society. So for me, UBI is, is something that's, it, it, it's something that we're ready for as a society. It's one of those things that for me, it's, difficult concept to think about because we always think of shelter somewhere to somewhere to sleep and and having food to eat as something that we need to pay for but the reality is that these things not necessarily things that we there is a there is another way of doing it okay so we we 
we just haven't had this conversation before as a society. It's one of those things that for me shows that we can look at the world through different different lenses sometimes. We, 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 we mustn't get too narrow in just thinking because we've done this a certain way for a number of years, doesn't mean that we have to do it that way. Definitely, I, I, do, I do agree with you. One thing, I guess, would be that it might be it might be unequal so some some might say that would it be good to give billionaires you know would billionaires still get ubi so for example does bill gates really need any more money <laughs> so then would it need to be that if you accumulate a certain amount of wealth then you kind of you've outgrown it and then you don't get it I think, and I don't know the answer. I don't know the answer. Is it is the 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 premise of it is that just everybody gets you know the set amount of money, you know if you start limiting it, is that not the point of it? You know, so I guess that would be one thing that that I would say would be you know a, a negative aspect, if you will. But yeah, very interesting, very interesting concept. And I think you're right. I think it's let's just just because we've done something the same way for however long we've done it doesn't mean it always needs to be that way let's there's problems in society let's all have a think about how we can how we can fix them and ubi is is certainly something that would would definitely help a lot of people because for example there could be someone that does nothing and someone that works really hard and they will have the same amount of money how's that fair i mean between different jobs we can't really compare because being a lawyer and um yeah I another having another job is not the same amount of work or the same amount of studies so exactly i don't well i don't, I don't really know and for example uh, if you're a cleaner you can start faster doing your job but if you're a lawyer you have to do like five to ten years of university so you will start your job later because you will have less money than the cleaner okay next we have fact or fiction oh, my favorite <laughs> and this week we are visiting australia so mike it's fact or fiction yeah uh, yeah, not true or false. We have to rename the segment. Fact or fiction? Yeah. Okay. Fact. No, have you either of you been to Australia? I've been three times. Twice for kind of a, an extended extended stay. So I should win. And the last but... time you went was when you uh, did that six-month stay, wasn't it? In Melbourne, Julie. I remember that time fondly. <laughs> because I was on the other side of the world that's that's lovely sad thank you yeah, but it's, it's, yeah. Have, you, have you been mike i've not been no no oh, one place that mike hasn't been finally oh you got a chance you got a chance julie <laughs> australia is the driest inhabited continent of the world i'm going to go with fiction i believe potentially somewhere in africa is drier Somewhere in Africa, it's the continent. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I got. <laughs> That's a big place, isn't it? I'm going to go with fact. Uh, I never hear of lots of rain coming down in Australia, right? but I do hear a lot about dry uh, uh, fires, and forest fires and droughts. 
So I'm going to say that Australia is the driest place in the world. Driest continent. And you'd be correct, Mike. Well done. So it, it is Get the it driest in. inhabited continent Woo. in the world. And lucky you missed a chance there, Julie. I did. I was trying to be smart by being stupid. <laughs> <laughs> the population of Australia is about 25 million. Uh, I've no idea. It's a big country with a lot of kangaroos and a lot of dingoes and just just to clarify human human population human population okay <laughs> i'm just thinking about all the things i know about australia before i commit to an answer okay is that called prevaricating i think yeah it is another word for prevaricating <laughs> yeah guilty uh, i'm gonna go true fiction uh, uh, fact fact i'm gonna go fact <laughs> Time. every time fact or fiction i'm gonna get a little sign should we get signs that work on podcast will it? um i'm going to go what did you say mike you said fact. i said fact after okay. all the truth and yeah <laughs> so it's a really big place but it doesn't have a lot of people but i think it's more than 20 million so i'm going to say fiction that's because it's 25 Oh, is it 25? I yeah. still think it's a little bit more than that, but um, it's, yeah, big place, not a lot of people. It is, in fact, 25 million. Oh, come on! Oh, I'm, getting, I'm getting lucky oh, here because I just guessed. Such, such a sore loser. <laughs> such a sore loser. Actually angry. So the Great Barrier Reef is the world's second largest coral reef. I'm going to say fact because there has been another one in this podcast. There's been a discovery of a really big coral reef somewhere in Australia, <laughs> which sounded really big. So I'm going to go fiction. Uh, fact, because I think it's the second biggest behind the other one. I'm going to say fiction because I think it's the biggest. Yes, Julie, you're back. Up. You're on the scoreboard. <laughs> it is the world's largest coral reef. Ah, there was so much coral when I was there. So the indigenous Australians are said to be direct descendants of migrants from Africa who left the African continent about 7,000 years ago. I think there's part of that that's fact and part of it that's fiction. I think they are descendants from Africa, but I think it was, was it not longer ago? 7,000. I'm going to go fictitious fiction. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Sam's laughing. Oh, Sam's never good. <laughs> I'm going to say fact. True. I'm going to say fact because I did, you said direct descendants. <laughs> I'm just going to say fact with no real con conviction, but I, I think it might be true. Julie, it's too all. Well done. It is uh, so. All all of the information was true, except rather than seven thousand years ago, it was seventy five thousand years ago. Extra, totally a bonus point for that. Yeah, I was so because I thought you were going to change your mind. You 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 have the habit of not going with your gut. I was like, stay, stay, you're right, you're on the right track, go with it, 7, stay with it. 7,000 just seems not long ago at all. Now you said it was like a little bit longer. Definitely, definitely. But yeah. if, it, if, this, if yeah. this is the last question I've won, I'm saying. Well, it's not. There's one more. <laughs>
It would be seven. Australia is the largest country in the Southern Hemisphere, but it's also the largest country without land borders. In the world, or it's no Southern Hemisphere. Yeah, but it's actually in the world. I'm going to say fact. I think it's, I can't think of any other country that's as big without any bordering countries. And you've traveled extensively. And I've been to many, many countries. But Just not Australia. Australia. <laughs> but not Australia. <laughs> yeah, I, I hate to do it, but I, I think I agree. Um, I'm going to say fact. Oh, that was very tactical, Julie. I know. Because I th- because, <laughs> uh, which is good, because it is, in fact, a fact. Uh, and then we have to take into account the the bonus point that you may have got for saying more years. But I think we'll just go for a draw. We'll go for an honourable draw. I think that's pretty... <laughs> I have an older brother. I don't do draws. <laughs> this week on the Youth Spotlight, we go to Norfolk in the UK, where two teenagers have found rare coins that are over 1,000 years old. The two teenagers were keen amateur metal detectors and they'd been scanning a field for a couple of hours with their dad in the wet and cold weather of Norfolk uh, when when their machines went off and they discovered that they'd got a coin that dated back to Henry I, which was the king of England a thousand years ago. And they took it to the auction. Auction house is where you trade things in or things that valuable objects are sold. They took it to the auction and they they got over £4,000 for this this rare coin. Wow. So really cool. It's uh, definitely a silver lining to being in the cold and the wet, I'd say. (laughs) (laughs) Have either of you ever used... A metal detector before they look super fun i've i've not used one I, I i've always thought the same thing of of you must be super exciting to think there might be at any point there might be some gold under or something something of interest underneath this underneath the earth so this week um i was joined by our language expert mike um, who's taught me some tips and tricks uh, for when you are learning a new language. He was, he was mentioning last week on the podcast um, a few different things, and I thought it'd be really great to, to get, him on, get him on the old Zoom and have a bit of a longer conversation with him. So some of the, the tips that Mike gives when you're learning a new language, um, one of them is, is sticky notes on objects around your house. So for, for the past week, um, I've had a sticky note on my microwave, and so now I know the, and Spanish was a language that I chose. So now I know the Spanish word for microwave, which is microondas. <laughs> Mike, fe- oh, he's almost, did I get it? Almost. So you want to change the vowel, the I vowel to an mm. E sound. So e, microondas. Eso, microondas. Ah, gracias. Okay. Um, I also stuck one on my bed, um, and now I know the word for bed is cama. Come, 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 And I have a plant in my room. This one was the easiest because simply the word for plant in Spanish is planta. Fantastico. Oh, gracias. Um, 
another useful tip was to find um and correct me if i'm wrong mike it was to find your favorite movie and then watch it in the language that you're trying to learn because no doubt you'll know some of the lines and this might be a really fun way to 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 learn so i was trying to think of my i've, I've not done this this sort of task yet um but two movies the two movies I've probably seen the most are A Few Good Men, uh, which has great lines um, such as, you can't handle the truth. And um, The Little Mermaid um, with lines such as under the sea. So I'll maybe try and come back with those two, um, those two sentences in Spanish. Or Mike, do you want to, to, to give us a, a, few, um, the, a Few Good Men quote, you can't handle the truth in Spanish? Fantastic uh, thing, but it doesn't have to be a movie. It could be for uh, your favorite show, like Friends is a good example. That's been translated into every imaginable language. Um, and also kids, uh, kids shows that, that are, maybe, it, maybe you might find if you're a teenager listening to this, you might find it a bit juvenile, but you know what? You were kids once, you were younger once. So go back to go forward. Um, and there's no, uh, it's a really, really good way of learning languages, watching, watching kids, uh, shows, uh, a few good men. You can't handle the truth. Ah, they, well, always, we... they don't translate it literally. But it... <laughs> In the language corner this week, I'd like to share the story of the world's oldest whist whistling language, the world's oldest whistling language. Silbo Gomero is the language that is whistled in the Canary Islands in Spain. Uh, it was born out of a need to communicate to your neighbor and your neighbor would have, would be a long, long way down the valley because it's a farming community it used to be more than it is now, but it, it used to be, uh, uh, the houses were, were a long way away from each other. So you would whistle to across the mountain, across the valley to communicate with your, with your neighbor, perhaps to tell them to bring the sheep in or to bring the, uh, you know, bring some milk up to see your house or whatever. And it's estimated that around 20,000 people still speak it correctly which is, a, which is a, a lot of people, and it's taught in Canary Island schools still. It's a, it's a compulsory subject in schools. You have to learn how to, how to whistle, how to whistle uh, the, the, the language. And it's, uh, you can hear it here. Which means the spelling bee is coming up. Thank you, Mike. That was, I, I, I didn't know that. Got, got a whistle joke for you guys. Yeah. <laughs> I gave my daughter one last warning about using her whistle around me. Unfortunately, she blew it. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Spelling bee. Got my pen so we have the two competitors. We have Julie, the self-proclaimed worst speller in the world. Hi. Um, and Mike, our language guru, who struggled a bit last week, if I remember correctly. I did. I did. did I not win? <laughs> I think I won. By default. <laughs> um, hey, look, a win's a win now. You, you, di you didn't get one correct, just to point that out. <laughs> you just, Again, you got imploded. <laughs> you got less letters wrong than Mike did. I gave it a good hard crack. I tried really hard. Yeah. 
Okay. Number one. Indigenous. From the indigenous people of Australia, the Aborigines, uh, Aboriginal people, indigenous, Julie. And we can see you, no Google. No, I know, I, I can see the word indig indigenous. I-N-D-I-G-I-N-O-S. No, there's another, there's a U there. O-U-S. Oh, it's so hard. Okay, Mike. I'm going to change one letter, one letter only. I'd change the second I to an E. Can you just spell it out, Mike? Because I think you may have just spelled it out. I-N-D-I-G-E-N-O-U-S. So it's actually the third I you're talking about. That's why I wanted you to. Ah, yes, sorry. Yeah. So you are correct, Mike. Well done. Unlucky, Julie. That was a really good attempt. Thank you. Thank you. Although, see if we'd swap this round and I would have to do what Mike's doing. I think I'd find that harder. <laughs> I'm so I'm so very good at spelling at all. I'd be like, what what did you say? I get like get the words mixed up. Okay, so the second word comes from a story from Peru where an archaeologist oh, oh. there's E's and A's coming out everywhere for that cat. word. There's a lot of you have to dig a lot in your brain to get that one out. Whoa. I'm not allowed to use my pen, is that right? Oh, oh, no, you can. You can write it. You can write it. Yeah, you can write it down. <laughs> no pressure to get it right now. Arche ar ar archaeologist. Um, A-R-C-H-E-O-L-O-G-I-S-T. Archaeologist. Mike, any changes? I'm going to put an extra A in there, but I'm not oh. totally confident about this one, but I think it's A-R-C-H-A-E-L-O-G-I-S-T. And that's what I said at the start. There's E's and A's coming out everywhere. Really? I'll yeah, to, I'll stick true. to what I've got though, because you're not fully competent, Mike. <laughs> confident. <laughs> or Com competent or competent. competent. Both. His, oh. uh, his language guru title may be disappearing. Julie, you got it right. No way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, last one. So this one, uh, all any notes or anything in front of you? Turnover because you may have this word written. It's on my down. screen. It's okay. I can't see it. Okay, just see. okay. So this is. I don't want you to write this out down either. This is just. This is should be quite an easy one. So from your story, Julie, of your graffiti artist, graffiti. G R A F F I T I graffiti. With the amounts of F's and T's? Probably not. How many? Oh, is Mike? it going really to be two T's? Oh, Samuel. I'm going to go with two T's, one F. One F, two T's. Oh, controversial. <laughs> oh, now I'm thinking a about T. it. Okay. You won't believe it, but Julie is the winner oh! this week! <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that was the Learn and Experience podcast. Goodbye, Julie. Goodbye, Mike. Bye, Sam. Goodbye, everybody. We hope you enjoyed the show. That was the Learn and Experience podcast, exploring and making sense of the world we live in through adventure, life skills, and language. To find out more of what we do, go to our website, learnandexperience.com, our social media outlets, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Thank you, everybody. 